0: This is Season 5, Episode 5, Trusting Our Kids and Rewilding Learning with Jill Howarth. Jill is a conscious educator, an educational changemaker, a storyteller, and a mother to three wildlings of her own. And in this chat, Jill really supported and guided me to move to a place of a deeper embodied yes in relation to our desire to homeschool. It was practical but it was also educational and I know you're going to enjoy it whether you're considering alternative education or whether you're just a conscious parent who's looking to deepen uh, their respectful parenting relationship with their kids. I know you're going to love it. Enjoy Hello dear friend welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello thank you so much for having me I'm really happy to be here.
0: I know we were just talking um and of course now I'm recording the train's going to go past always (laughs) happens at the start of every podcast something happens um we were just talking before about that we've both got this window of time and then we've got to take our kids somewhere and so I wanted to start there um in acknowledgement of the different roles that we play and how we move between spaces. And I wonder whether you could share a little bit about the many hats that you wear and your work and your family and how that gets integrated in some way. Just, I'd love to just start there and hear more about you and your work in the world and, yeah, you as a person too, I guess.
1: I actually, I love that question, and I love starting there because, um, you know, as we were just saying, one of one of my sons was up sick in the night, you know, and that's um, a, that's a reality, and then it's it's an ongoing. Uh, I'm going to say the word dance because I use that word a lot, like it's a metaphor I use a lot, but you know, throughout, I've been a parent for 13 years, a little bit longer than that now, actually and done you know I've worked full-time as a teacher I've worked part-time as a teacher I've not you know worked in a job in a paid job in that time I've now been running my own business for about the past three or four years and I think you know people often ask me like which one of those has like served you better and served your family better but I can't sort of pinpoint anyone as better it's what what has been helpful though has been to constantly reflect on every single stage no matter what my life looks like and just look for little areas to to tweak you know little areas that need change because the reality is we we are always going to be wearing you know those hats while we're 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 mothers and we're parents and that that never ends and I think you know I've been through a lot of different emotions with that I've been through frustration and anger and um uh what's the word resentment of you know the way society is set up uh, in terms of for for women especially and mothers and children and What I've found is, you know, I think those are necessary feelings as well to, like, go through and process. But when I can apply sort of, like, a feeling of curiosity and reflection – it actually that kind of um, that those kind of feelings bringing that to the to the balance of parenting and working and all your other relationships that you have with people in the world that that kind of like attitude I guess to bring to it has been the most helpful regardless of what actual what my actual life and day to day looks like. Does that make sense or is that is actually abstract?
0: <laughs> no, it makes total sense, and I love abstract, and I think that part of the purpose of this season in particular is that we go beyond just like five steps you know to doing anything that it is nuanced and that we go on a journey and a conversational one at that and there's there's so much about what you said that I resonated with and I think that to me the move towards regenerative leadership or regenerative living is that it's not um that mentality of like, I can wear all the hats and like, look at me juggling all the hats. It's, I'm a whole being in relationship with lots of different things, people, offerings, businesses, children, plants, you know, and I can stay whole and embodied and as integrated as possible, moving through my day, tending to those different relationships and the struggle to me seems so much less when I can adopt that lens, if that kind of makes sense. And we were and we were thinking we were talking before about how we celebrated solstice last night, and I was at a winery, and you were you had a sick, sick little one, and mm. so we were talking about how our spiritual practice has become so much more integrated into life, it's not this separate part of us. So, that integrated framework, I wonder how you move through your day or what your days look like because I know you do homeschool I know you also run programs for um, mothers and parents as well as children how do you move through the day and what do your days look like
1: yeah that's so for me it's always um creating I guess going with a natural sense of rhythm but then again like tweaking it when I when I need to uh, it makes me think of a phrase one of my mentors used to to use she used to always say think of yourself and this was more applied to teaching but it for me it applies you know to parenting life in general she said think of yourself kind of like as climate control so you know to use that metaphor in the classroom she would be saying so you know put yourself in the middle of that space and you're there as the teacher or the space holder and then and feel into the space and what needs to you know does it need to be warmer does it need to be cooler does it need to be a little quieter does it need to have a little more you know big energy moving through the space like so she really that was a kind of of I guess a good visual for me and a good phrase for me that I've been able to apply to other areas of life as well so even you know that phrase for me works whether it's a yoga practice or it's cooking or it's being at home with my children being at home with sick children it's just kind of I guess focusing in on that one particular relationship or experience and thinking yeah, how can I work with this? How can I weave in different elements? How can I let go of certain elements? And I think that's what I'm starting to do with my whole week as a whole. I mean, one thing I've found... I guess at first it was challenging, but now it's sort of become more helpful and interesting. Uh, Initially, it was challenging for me being a parent and running my own business and trying to operate on this whole time, you know, society's time frame. I've never been particularly good at that, but the whole Monday, Friday, nine to five, that that kind of vibe and even thinking, well, if I run a class, I have to do it every Monday at you know 9am you know this this consistency and sameness that we kind of adapt to our weeks where for me letting that go a little bit and actually thinking well it feels better to me to do like you know four-week block programs where my you know the children that come to me only come between this this time frame and being a little bit looser with the times not being so like um, you know, it has to be like 9.30 on the dot to 1.30 on the dot. I know that's not how society runs, but letting go of some of those time restraints has been really helpful for me because I realise it caused a lot of stress for me, a lot of anxiety to be somewhere at a certain time. So trying to create my own life so that my own work is a little more fluid and a little more organic in its timing has allowed me to kind of weave my work into like the areas of our lives that, you know, my son needs to be at sport at a certain time and that particular part of the world is not kind of as willing to be fluid with their timing. Does that make sense?
0: I love it. Like fluid timing is totally my jam. I could talk about it all day. (laughs) And, you know, what you're talking about is something that we teach a lot is, is around trusting this innate wisdom of this organism that we are and trusting that we know which way to grow towards the sun Mm -hmm. and how constantly and consistently we override that life-giving sense within us Mm -hmm. Um, and how we are willing to put all of our trust into these artificial constructs and systems um, at the cost of trusting that innate wisdom. And so I guess this ties into the philosophy of your work, but I'm curious, what is your vision for learning, for children, for all of us? Like what do you hope to see and see seed and see in the world through your work and explorations?
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's like my ongoing question again. And even with that question, I keep sort of tweaking it. But I think overall the bigger vision I had, you know, I was in those sort of school systems and even the alternative systems for a long time and, you know, really wanting to see change in those systems and but not really knowing how to do that because I think now looking back on reflection, it was probably hard for me to come up with new ideas to make things grow and change because my ideas were kind of locked within the <laughs> the organisation of those systems, if that makes sense. So it was really Mm -hmm. hard to kind of come up with new ways of being for me within those systems. So to me, I was pregnant with my third child and I decided to leave teaching early thinking I probably wouldn't go back and thinking perhaps I've made a big choice, you know, the wrong choice with this as my career. But intuitively I knew that I was a teacher and supposed to work with children but I didn't know where else to go because I've kind of thought if I can't fit in with these alternative schools, then I'm not going to fit in anywhere. And so just, you know, left with the idea that I possibly would never go back. And then about two weeks later I did, you know, when you're in that really creative space of pregnancy and like up in the middle of the night. And I just, I had a little, you know, dream vision. I'm not sure, you know, even how awake I was where I saw, um, I guess this is pretty, pretty out there, pretty trippy, but saw all these beams, just beams of light and they were, you know, whether they were humans or trees or it didn't matter, but the the so-called education or the learning would just be kind of transmitted through a beam of light from each individual or being to the next. And at the time I was like, whoa, that, you know, that was, that was huge. That's probably like 500 years away, you know, and just kind of forgot about it. But then I think what that dream did was start to to open me up to like, to thinking, well, learning doesn't actually have to look, you know, again, like just between nine to three, you know, and if we put these barriers and boundaries around learning, it's not, that's not actually what learning is. So I think a lot of my work now is really looking at what learning is, as opposed to what school is, as opposed to what education system is. And, you know, not, necessarily uh saying any of those are wrong but just going hey we have a lot more options here than we realized when we take the barriers and boundaries down around learning and it doesn't have to be between a certain time frame and only in a certain space and to recognize that you know we're still learning when we're asleep like that's part of our processing you know our dreams and really taking down those uh restrictions we've kind of put as a culture around when we work and when we learn and when we play um again for me it's making all of those things more fluid so so the work I do with children and my own children and my own learning journey is very much about seeing it as this big holistic ongoing thing that that never ends you know until at the end of life um it's not we just you know we get to 18 we learn everything we know and then we go off in the world but you know that's a story we've kind of been sold a little bit and um yeah so that's that's what I do with my work now which again has has been tricky in some ways uh, explaining that maybe not explaining it to people but but thinking, okay, well, how does this look in the world? Like, how do I um, bring children to into this program if it doesn't particularly have any beginning and ending to it? You know, but just through flexibility and creativity and a heap of families who have put trust in me, which I'm very grateful for, it's managed to evolve itself, if that makes sense. So I don't really have these long-term, I have big picture ideas and values and visions, but then I'm flexible with how that rolls out.
0: Mm, I love it so much. And thank you for sharing that evolution of your journey. Um, and that, you know, you're still in conversation with that vision and how that changes over time. And I, um, I see that vision and I share that vision so deeply to create a relationship with learning that is life giving. And I know this intuitively through my own empirical evidence, right? Like, I know it because I see it in my kids. I know it because I see it in myself. And I think when I started creating learning spaces online that tried to mirror that, it was a really big stretch
1: yeah you know
0: can you talk a little bit more about how kids learn how we learn what do you what what is true about that
1: yeah so I think um I mean I'm very very passionate and you know you will have heard lots about this and you know a lot of lot of the world's talking about this but very passionate about um play and um, I'm an early childhood teacher but I do think that play um it you know we could get a lot out of extending that to older children and adults as well to because to me it really plays just um freedom to have time and space to to be really creative with your projects you know I I feel like I try to adopt a playful approach to to Born Wise my work um so I'm very passionate about up kind of up in the way we see play as something much more valuable than just oh that's just something kids do you know in spare moments so I believe very strongly that we the play is able to kind of capture all the different layers of learning I guess because it, it involves the processing and I think this is where my strengths come into learning. I'm I'm really good at and passionate about the the invisible parts of learning, you know, the parts that we often in school systems don't give much time or credit for. You know, we we kind of because maybe there's not the trust in them, you know, maybe it's a little bit scary to just put this trust in the fact the child is looking out the window and humming you know we don't see that as perhaps that child's regulating right now so they can learn better perhaps that child is going through a million different creative ideas in their head that is going to lead to something incredible you know there's there's a fear around what that looks like and because it doesn't look like learning in the traditional sense so we kind of label those things as the child's distracted and unfocused and you know which those Terms we don't associate with learning. So, for me, I guess I'm just really, really open-minded about learning, and more recognizing that I think there's a whole lot we don't know about about the way humans learn and communicate. Because to me, learning and communication is fairly, you know, um, closely entwined. It's like I think we just, I think we could do a lot by just getting ourselves to a point of. Being okay with not knowing how much potential we might have for learning and communication that's not even, we haven't even thought of yet. So, yeah, so that's kind of, yeah, it's all those, um, I think it's about bringing trust into learning, about being open-minded to the fact that children, you know, humans, any beings actually um, have different layers as well where it could be there's energetic learning there's emotional learning there's physical learning there's social learning but then it's all wrapped up into this holistic kind of complex web
0: Mm. I love it because what I've observed is that we can't like on a on the most basic level just this realization alone for me put me on the path of like I need to find some alternatives for my daughter um, and I was glad that I was homeschooled, so I was open to that. But just acknowledging how difficult it is to communicate and process and learn when we're stressed, <laughs> and oh. even and you know when you look at just the system, the way it's built, and reward and punishment, and you put a sensitive kid or any kid into that. To me, it's like it's a, it's a miracle that they're learning it at all <laughs> because I don't learn in those situations. Even in online programs, I find it really difficult to stay engaged or motivated when I feel like there's an expectation, when I feel like um, there's, a, there's a risk of failure, when I feel like I'm being watched or observed, I have to get it right, that there's right or wrong. Like all of those things that are just naturally built into an education system. fundamentally intrinsically for me from an embodiment perspective go against what I believe and know to be true in myself which is when I am relaxed and enjoying myself and all of that social engagement system is switched on I could learn whatever in a very short amount of time you know in one experience I could layer all of those social emotional like those different aspects that I talk to so I mean with your with your children and also the children that you work with, is that a big part of it? Is it about just creating an environment that enables learning to happen?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's literally um, I guess I'll speak first about the children that I work with. so um for me, like first and foremost is is well-being, I guess, you know, for for a phrase to cover kind of a lot of those different. Um, aspects but ultimately it's about safety you know I want the kids to feel really safe um, with me and in the space and then I just kind of allow I allow you know obviously um, it's it's a lot my role I guess as teacher I'm still using that word whether we get a better word I'm not sure but is ultimately about holding space for the children to just experience their own learning and it's actually fascinating for me to watch um, what they choose to explore of their own accord, you know, um without me feeling stressed as a teacher, so as a teacher, you can feel very stressed. you know that stress you talked about that that does seem to be really, really rife in our systems where teachers are stressed and so children and children are stressed and Parents are stressed and then I'm, I'm thinking well, that's because we're in a stressed culture, but you're absolutely right no no great learning is going to come from anxiety and stress because the the you know we just won't um, prioritize that you the, the, you know we, we want to prioritize safety first so that we can then go, okay, now I'm in a good space to learn and um, relationships as well a lot of the children I'm working with now, I've been working with since they were 3 in in some form or another. I have a really strong uh relationship with the the parents and the families, you know. And this is actually something that is almost I guess a little bit controversial in the teaching world. We're not we'd actually told the opposite, not to get too close to families and parents, you know. Um there is a, you know, professional distance to To maintain between the children, between the families and the parents. And I, I understand why that is, you know, um, because of the sort of world we live in that's not based on trust and, that you know, we want to protect the teachers and the children, and I totally get that. But flipping this where I, I know the children now so well, I know their families so well that they come into my space and I feel safe with the children being there, they feel safe with me, and the learning just happens. Like, I mean... I would have to, <laughs> I, you know, for me, it's baffling. Like you said, the fact that we're actually, I feel like putting children in systems that are going to shut down learning, which is crazy because children want to to learn. Like humans want to learn. That that to me lights people up. It's something we children in particular. They they just you know, their whole beings light up, they, they want to learn, they can't not learn. So the fact we're creating systems to put them in that kind of shut down their intuitive, uh, innate kind of desire for learning is, is kind of heartbreaking. And then on the flip side of that, me seeing what I'm seeing, even in the, the very small group of children I work with, is really um, like uplifting and makes me feel a, little, a lot of hope for what's possible as well to just see these children basically running through their own curriculums um, and that includes social, emotional, physical and academic learning, you know, it's, 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 it's really um, powerful to watch it. And that's really just allowing the kids to be who they are, I feel.
0: It's so profound, like that thing you were saying about teaching them, not even teaching them, continuing to reflect back to them how they learn is like giving them the keys to the golden like city to me you know if you can show and illuminate one's process for how they learn like I'm learning this at 35 how I learn you know and then yeah. I can apply to that to anything now that I now that I know that right but it's like Opening up the possibility that learning could look lots of ways, and each of those kids with their own individual sense of perceptions and perspectives and sensory systems and experiences, all of that is welcome. It's yeah. so, um, I just, it really lights something up in me. And, you know, full disclosure, I said to you before we were coming on this podcast, you know, that we're right on that precipice. Our daughter's starting school next year. Yeah. She's school age next year. We've started doing some really gentle home learning and um, and I said I just want to have a conversation with you about being on that precipice because I know there are so many folks that intuitively are waking up to and sensing that there's another way, that this isn't working, that this doesn't feel right and yet you look around at the alternatives and that doesn't quite feel right either. And so I wanted to talk like from my own particular standpoint of standing on that precipice and acknowledging what I don't want but also being you know still unlearning myself right unschooling myself and I'm wondering whether I could ask you some questions from that standpoint as a parent
1: yeah of course yeah go for it
0: yeah so I think the first thing is um that comes up for me is around and and a lot of conversations I've been having is around capacity, right? Mm -hmm. And I think this whole conversation about homeschooling or looking at alternative models of learning, um, we can't have it in a vacuum of not acknowledging the constraints that the systems, capitalism, patriarchy put on that choice and the privilege that a lot of us need to have and acknowledge in order to make that choice. But is this something that comes up a lot in the conversations you have with parents around like, I, I can't add another thing in. I can't possibly think about being a teacher or facilitating learning on top of everything. Like we're already at capacity. And how do you guide folks through that, through that fear? Yeah,
1: that, I mean, and that's massive. And I know that one personally, as well as, um, you know, as in with the the families and the the mums that I work with, it's a it's a real it's a real question. Like there's there's um it's a very very valid question. Um, this is part of why I offer what I do. You know, in terms of having these programs uh, for children that are homeschooled, because I'm very aware of the complexities, I guess, as well of the parent child um, relationship. And there's, there's so many beautiful things about that, but what I found, um, I, I think I'm going to answer this more personally. I think I feel like it reflects a better a, a clearer answer. But for my own son, uh, my middle son, when he first started homeschooling, he was just with me most of the time, and it was it was tricky for me to balance all the things, as in wearing all the hats of being his teacher and still working and then being his parent, but. Deeper than that was the fact that i could i f- could sense, and he could sense, more importantly, that he needed more people around him, like more of a village to to educate him than just me, if that makes sense. and he he was asking for it. he he said it himself, he said, "I don't want to go back to school." but I don't just want to stay home with you. I mean, he he was like nine or 10 at the time. He said, I need to have people around me. We're supposed to belong to something. And when he said that, I thought it was very profound. And I realised that that is some of the, you know, and I'm just speaking in personal experience here, but that, and also some of what families say to me, that can be one of the like difficulties with homeschooling, if you create end up creating more isolation for yourself and it ends up becoming another thing that you have to do, you know, like another, like you said, another hat, we're already at capacity. How can I possibly teach my child on top of this? I mean, there's so many ways you can work with that and and one of those things is broadening our view of how we see learning so we recognize that even when the child's sleeping there is learning happening so we comfort ourselves and bring trust to the learning process by reminding ourselves that a child will learn no matter what is going on and whether we're doing lessons with them or not lessons or we're just unschooling or we're following a curriculum whatever the child will learn so educating yourself around what learning looks like so that you can build that trust but also call in other community members wherever you can and I mean the tricky thing is like what you just touched on it's like there's only you know certain people in our in our community can do this and other people you know for financial reasons or whatever reasons they're in a more difficult situation so it is quite a like um you know, a special situation to be in. But I was able to draw in a teacher for my son, um, you know, which was very helpful and, you know, that that meant he was homeschooling, you know, as in he just wasn't in the system anymore, but with about eight to ten other children around his age with another teacher and she even brought in other teachers herself to work with that group and that's something I try to offer to the families I work with so they do feel like they've got you know um, just some support like support is very very important no matter what we're doing and I think if you create I've seen a lot of people you know, end up feeling more isolated and burnt out from homeschooling. You know, just the same the same things kind of creep in that that when you have your child in the system are still there. But, you know, it's it's really important therefore, I think, to to kind of go, well, where's my community here? Um, what is my child actually interested in learning? And, you know, this whole phrase of like it takes a village to to raise a child. I mean, it, it actually really does take a um village to educate children really and that's big to offer them you know varied relationships with other people with other trusted adults um there's a a friend of mine here in Perth Daniel Burton he runs Educated by Nature and they they offer some really amazing programs but he's done some studies himself with a a man in America, I'm going to forget his name, but I'll try to let you know. But he shares this beautiful anecdote of um, he travelled to different cultures around the world to look at how, you know, learning was approached in, in different parts of the world. And he ended up in a village and, you know, I'm probably not going to serve this anecdote as beautifully as it was told to me, but just to kind of paraphrase it, um, he watched a man and his son and the son was trying to light a fire and the father didn't do anything to help. He just stayed with his spine, you know, back to back with his son while his son tried to, like, start the fire. And um, eventually someone else from the community, whether that was an uncle or another male friend, came in and said to the boy, "Oh, you know, this is, you know, helped him, helped start the fire. And the whole time that father just stayed with his spine to the boy's spine. And afterwards the the visitor sort of... through translation spoke to the father and said oh what was going on there you know why why didn't you step in your child was struggling to do something why didn't you step in to help and the reply was well that's that's not my job my job as parent is just to support him as he goes through life it's the community's job to teach him so that was a very long answer I hope that answered your question it does so so much
0: of what I've been thinking about you know in terms of you take it a step back. We're not living collectively. So that makes it harder. And a lot of the capacity question to me is a, is a really deep grief around Uh the lack of village, right? That we feel whether we're teaching or schooling or educating or supporting their learning or not, like we're already feeling that (laughs) stretch. And I wonder if we can think about it, as you said and reframed, not as like us replacing the system, but fundamentally that we're um, opening up to a different role and a different way and honouring different wisdom and valuing different things entirely. So it's not that we have to keep the rigidity. And I think that what it touches on and what I'm working with at the moment is really my own trauma from schooling mm. and and not just schooling, even in a homeschooling context, having parents raised in a power over paradigm, mm. uh, parenting paradigm, and the effects of that on my mm. own system and how that plays out in me approaching learning with my kids. So we have a rule right now that is like, we all need to be regulated to have to, to do any of the curriculum, to do any of the things, right? Mm-hmm. And if one of us isn't, we're just not going to do it right now because I'm having to go so gently through my own trauma and my somatic memories, my body memories mm-hmm. of punishment, of shame, of believing fundamentally that. Uh, school is about correcting and fixing, like all of these things that live in me that have the potential to come out in that relationship, I'm mm-hmm. so acu- acutely aware of, right? And I think that the community and having lots of diverse relationships is, to me, the main reason um, why I'm thinking about alternative education because to me, I don't care what they learn in terms of algebra or anything. I, I care that they can foster relationships, mm-hmm. really great relationships, and that that will see, see them in good stead in their life, right? That if something happens to me, they will be able to form community somewhere, somehow, and they'll be okay. So I, I love that answer in all its complexity because I think that um, – that we can't do it alone and actually acknowledging that can be such a relief, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, if there's any way that people are able to even draw in... Um, you know being creative with what that community and village looks like like I mean I'm all for like you know face-to-face in person kind of relationships but if you live somewhere that makes that difficult you know drawing in whatever community can just being creative with it whether it is via um, you know technology you know I don't know if that can provide it in the same way but it's maybe a step in the right direction sometimes or just in a direction so that you feel supported because I think if you don't feel supported in life in general, right, that's that it's going to make, make it all quite difficult.
0: Mm, which is why I think there's such an opportunity for us all within this reorientation to build the skills to be in relationship like adults included it's a hard thing we've been taught to isolate to separate to keep ourselves safe to not be vulnerable to not uh, get too close you know all of these things that I think we're all learning as adults and and bless our children for supporting that through their learning as well of how what is a regenerative relationship and And how can we trust those movements where we get really close to groups of people and then we move away and then, you know, that that ebb and flow of relationship as well. Um, I'm curious about another question that we're Mm -hmm. contemplating. Curriculum or no, like unschooling or um, like how does a family, I know it's going to be really individual, but how did you make that choice how do the families you work with make those decisions and what have you observed I guess through your experience in and out of the classroom around how to make that decision
1: yeah that that's really interesting for me as well because I realize how much it comes down to to who you are as well um by nature I am someone who um takes a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this uh, it just seems to be what I naturally do you know I've I I did follow obviously the curriculum when I was teaching in a classroom but because I was in such the early years it was all that you know an outcomes-based curriculum which which I'm kind of good with following those like because they're very open to interpretation um, but what I've found with the families I work with is that there's just a huge um, vast difference in what different families have chosen to do so some follow a curriculum that they've you know purchased I think a couple have purchased them from the states and they they follow them and depending on that family some families do like to get up and you know the first half hour of the day they're they're um, addressing that curriculum and, and that's a well it really that's about as long as it takes and then the rest of their time is is free and open and I guess um you know an unschooling kind of approach or just living really but then they do come to me for that kind of like I think what I'm offering the children is is chance ultimately for their social emotional skills to be really you know for their community to be built we've got like our little community going there so they're kind of addressing the curriculum at home and then in a more direct way, I guess, and then with me there we we're still addressing the curriculum because you can't you can't not, but in a very organic free flow way and then other families i'm working with are choosing not to follow a curriculum at all, and you know it's they've got a more of that kind of unschooling approach so <laughs> For me, it's very much about a little bit of trial and error and go, and also knowing yourself and knowing your child and what does this child need right now and a little bit of structure via a curriculum can be a great way of feeling safe, you know, and, again, supported, you know, that's from the families I speak to. <coughs> Excuse me. Um some of them by personality they just they they love that structure they love getting up in the morning and knowing that this is how they're starting their day with a little bit of a and other families you know find their safety and support in in you know a more open-ended structure so I think my advice for people is at first to just do a little reflection on on who you are as an individual um and starting with yourself because we can only ever start with ourselves (laughs) and knowing what would work for you as as the parent and and then kind of looking at the other family members of, of what would work with them. I mean, you could, if you're someone who loves structure and, and knows that you would um, appreciate the support of a curriculum, getting that curriculum for yourself but then allowing some flexibility and creativity of how it's um worked with and explored depending on a different child and you can model like all of this process of choosing a curriculum and choosing a style and a philosophy or choosing to be completely open-ended or acknowledging that one family member will really like you know say reggio inspired learning and another another family member might be more kind of Montessori or Steiner it's actually quite that's a lot of learning in itself you know just allowing them to go through that organic process of you choosing and mapping it out, what it will look like for you and your family. Um, Because ultimately, I mean, that's what we're doing our whole life, isn't it? We're choosing, we're learning about ourselves and exploring ourselves and then kind of applying what we know about ourselves to how does that impact the way I show up in the world? How does that impact the way I am in the world, in community with that world and relationship with that world? So, um, yeah. Do you, you... That's, yeah, yeah,
0: no, that's great advice and and really reassuring. I think we have a curriculum, it's a nature-based secular curriculum, but um, what we're using it for is to... uh, teach ourselves how to teach. <laughs> so it's less about her daughter at this point and more about understanding, um, just basic things like sequencing, like that we could read a passage, like ideas, right. That, that, are, yep. that we could read a passage from a book and then go outside and then draw a picture, um, yeah. or that we can read a passage and then get her to repeat back what it is, you know, so that we are learning that. Ourselves, but I suspect that what we already are finding is that we're kind of we work best around working bees, so we will have periods of very little action in the property and in ourselves and in our businesses, and then we will foster or find this enormous motivation and drive to align with one of our values, and we will all get around and support that thing, right? And so it's very much like a pulsing rhythm of like lots of time off and not off because it's never off, lots of time being really organic and then putting a date in the diary and like going all in and bringing community to do that. And I think that if I think about, so for example, instead of the recommended way of doing this curriculum is to do like X number of lessons a day, X number of things a week, is that we see her interest in numbers or a calendar and we'll spend a whole week doing her maths book. And that'll be it for the year, right? Like <laughs> that she's learned those things. Yeah. Um, I suspect that's how we're gonna be. And and like you, I pull lots of different things from different places. I'm also very place-based and community-oriented. So for me, my approach, I think Dave, will be more like some of the scaffolding stuff, like the workbooks and, and that, and I, and I will be like, let's just get out of the house and go have an adventure and, and have some conversations on the way home, you know?
1: Oh, that's, I mean, that's, it's, that's pretty much, you know, my philosophy as well. I'm, I'm very, you know, a big believer in how much uh, learning happens just through conversation, you know, because that's (laughs) patient reflection processing with another individual and, and observation. So observing, like you said, what's happening in the world around you, um, in the place where you are, and then reflecting on that through conversation that, I mean, that, that's like quite, that's, that's philosophy, isn't it? It's philosophy and it's everything kind of wrapped up in one. And I love the idea of kind of, you know, just doing all your maths in one kind of day, because that's the inspiration is there. like it. It can be a really beautiful um, learning about yourself process because you kind of start to go, oh well, when is my inspiration around, and when do I act on that, and actually, when do I actually just need to rest and go into that big stage of reflection in the, the learning process? So I think that that is really stunning and beautiful. It's and and it also makes me realise more and more how little that's provided for in the school system because it's it's got to do that one-size-fits-all approach and, you know, things like rest and conversation aren't, aren't valued and I, I find that sad because it's there's such beautiful things.
0: Especially I think, um, you know, Millie has sensory processing issues so scaffolded, really child-centred conversation is so, oh, it just lights her up, right? And so it comes to this... There's two. There's two more points I want to make, and then we've both got to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> one is: um, when do we ever feel like we're doing enough? And what are we? What are we looking to for success? Right? Like we've spoken about looking at social emotional learning, um, asking these beautiful living questions, and looking at different markers of success other than the school system, which is all like comparison and mm-hmm. um, skills-based. How do you ever get to a point as a parent that's been raised in a culture of scarcity, of mm-hmm. capitalism, of patriarchy and of um, punishment that you ever feel like you're doing enough?
1: Yeah, yeah, I I don't know with that one because the things shift and change, right? Like, you know, my eldest now is in... Um, like of high school age and he's actually chosen to go back to high school. So that's actually been quite a big thing for me, you know, personally, because I think I just got to that point that you sort of mentioned where feeling like I, I was you know I was really comfortable and happy with what we were doing and then he said I want to go back to school um you know and I realized for him it's it's he's at that age 13 where they they really want to be with their peers all yeah. the time and you know and they should be they should be so for me I I went then it brought up all the old doubts and the worries that I felt like I had kind of been through you know and life's funny like that isn't it but What I have noticed is I've been able to apply much more quickly this time. I've been able to address some of those worries and doubts with realising that I actually do have a whole heap of trust in him now as an individual to even go into that system and be a part of that system but recognise, you know, he knows that there's other ways. I guess that for me is the point of difference that maybe I didn't know at that same age. I didn't know there were other ways of being and he knows there are because he's seen them and he's lived them so he's at school in a system but in a different way I don't know Mm. if this makes sense but I think what I'm trying to say is the same things like as the child moves through different stages the child grows and goes through different developmental and you know emotional and spiritual stages and and that seems to keep happening with with us as the adults as well you know so we go through stages of feeling very very you know fully enough and fully trusting and fully supported and then life will just go oh here's another little thing <laughs> um but can you use those moments to just you know really build I guess you know your your practices and um, and use them to tap back into that creativity and that imagination and 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 acknowledge that that is part of the journey that you know this ongoing learning is as much for the adult as for the child and we will be brought back to feelings of doubt and, and mistrust over and over. so yeah
0: <laughs> thank you and it's so reassuring because I think that the aim, is not to have perfection or even equilibrium, um, that that's not what we're not trying to like iron out everything wrong. Right. Like that's not the approach here. It's that everything is living and, and everything is an opportunity to learn and, um, I think it's so easy in the context of culture to move into those states of contraction and worry and fear as if we are or not, we are or not doing or don't have enough. Um, But ultimately I trust those those inner yearnings and that inner sensing that there has to be a better way and it's easy in those moments of contraction to want to fall back into the known, which is where, again, to me, the community is so important just to have someone to be like, oh, gosh, like this is really hard today and I just don't feel like, yeah, like my kid is having a really hard time and it's making me feel like I'm not enough or I'm not doing enough and just to have that really beautiful support of um, people that are going through it who are maybe in a different cycle or season and can hold and support you is so, so valuable. Um, And lastly, I just wanted to ask, um, so you said that you'd just gotten to a, a point how many years into the homeschooling journey were you when you got to that point of, like, oh, yeah, I get it now? Just to frame the time frame here and the flexibility and how much space there is to find our way. Like, how long do you think it took you to find that rhythm and trust?
1: I think it it did happen quite quickly for me. Um, I don't know if that's because of being a teacher as well. It, it was. Oh, I think it happened quite quickly for me. I don't, and I work as in like maybe, you know, three to six months. I was just like, ah, you know, right, like this is what it looks like over here. And it's, it's, it felt in my body, it felt really right quite quickly. But, you know, I'm working, I realize though that I've had, you know, 20 years in the education system to kind of go through a heap of different phases and feelings about my own education you know as a child and it like it's been that's been my journey some of the mums I talk to it, it really varies like some of them were quite instantly at ease with it and some are like two or three years in and still struggling and not sure if this is the right choice so um that's probably the wrong phrase not whether it's the right choice but can they keep can they maintain it if that makes sense so it totally seems to depend on where the person lives and how many children are involved and what sort of work the mum does and what sort of work the dad does, you know, that it varies. But for me, it was very, very quick. I was very like, oh, this is this is, this feels right to me. Mm. And I love that
0: there are all of those ways, you know, can be included too, that there isn't a right way. And also that I love that you talked about your son wanting to go back, but that he had this resilience and, and he could critically examine the systems having been out of them, that you can change your mind, right? On any of this curriculum, unschooling, school, like that, I think we think because the education system is a series of hoops that you jump through that get narrower and narrower, that that's how life should be. And it's just not. If anything, we should try lots of things in order to expand our horizons and to um, foster lots of learning and to discern what is right and that we can support our kids to become whole beings, well, they are already whole beings, support them to express their wholeness, I guess. Um, like yes. circling back to the start where you were, where you were kind of saying about this huge vision and... I kind of love to think about what are the opportunities that might be available to us if we had a schooling or education system that the hoops were getting bigger, not smaller, you know, as they were coming into adulthood.
1: Yeah, I think it could be quite fascinating. You know, kids have got incredible ideas and they, you know, are evolving very quickly and I think it's just sometimes about listening to them a whole lot more and observing them and, noticing what they're doing what they're interested in so you know i know we're winding up here but that's that's for me with the boys you know with us my eldest oscar choosing to go back to school it's a thing of like okay well this is your you know there's me and my beliefs and my values and my interests and then there's his and they're, they're generally really different to mine now at the age he's at and, you know, that's, that's part of it. That's, that's, you know, his journey in the world as well and where we meet in that journey and then when we kind of go off in different directions and then where we meet back again.
0: Mm, thank you. This has been such a beautiful conversation. I feel really resourced by it. Um, and I super appreciate your time.
1: I appreciate yours. I love your questions as well. They're really, yeah, it's great to talk in this capacity.